For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench, and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Angie Spoke Podcast. On today's episode, we have to me a very special guest, Brig Johnson. Brig is a life coach, actually a master life coach through the Life Coach School, and she is on a mission to help high-achieving Black women become unfuckwithable. Yes, I did have to practice that a few times before recording. So what does that mean? It means that she coaches her clients to be their very best selves, no matter what the outside situation is, no matter what those external circumstances are. She teaches her clients to love themselves, own their own emotions, and be their own hero. I have watched Brig become a leader in our corner of the Life Coach School over the last year, and I recently completed an advanced certification in feminist coaching with Brig just a few weeks ago, and that's really where I got to know her. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. She's super candid about what it's like to leave her full-time job as a nurse and go into full-time coaching, and it's fascinating to watch how she, as a life coach, has zero anxiety about what's ahead of her as she begins to continue to build this business. And just in case you're wondering, yes, both Jenny and I purchased Briggs Hustle within 10 minutes of ending this interview. I am so pleased to introduce all of you to Brig Johnson. Hello, Brig. Welcome to our show. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Rick Johnson, it is a real honor to have this time to chat with you. I've been a bit of a fangirl for a little while, as you know, and you keep saying, it's just me. It's no big deal. It's just, it's just me. me. Um, it's like just me. <laughs> 
And I, yeah, no, I've just been following you through Life Coach School for a long time. You've shown up as a real leader in the space over the last year and a bit. And then, of course, you and I just completed the Cara Lowenthal's training in advanced feminist coaching. So that's really where I know you and got to really listen to you. And that's why you're here. We're going to talk about all the things. So, so for those of you who have not been like religiously following you like I have, can you just give us an intro to who Brig Johnson is? I am a single mom, three adult kids. I'm a grandma. My daughter, granddaughter calls me Lala. She's four. And I am a full-time, we're going to talk about that now, (laughs) full-time life and mindset coach for high achieving Black women. I help them get out of their own way, uncovering all the unconscious internal biases that get in the way of them going to the next level, which is what we all want, right? But what was your job before full-time life coach? I know. Before full-time life coach, before master coach, all of that, I spent 38 years in nursing. 20 was at bedside and 18 was in anesthesia. My last job, I was a certified registered nurse anesthesiologist or nurse anesthesiologist. And so then when did you go full-time with life coaching? About a week ago. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm bleeding because I know. I know. Okay. So let's just talk about that first. Like that is hard. It is hard, even though you really want to do it, to leave something that is part of your identity. It's not easy. Mm, Yeah. What have you gone through? Totally. All the things that most people think that you're going to go through, I totally went through, which was, first of all, was it even like my first thing was life coaching was just going to be the thing that because I'm a high achieving woman, right? So if you're a high achieving woman, and if you're, I'm sure all women are probably the same, but I know most of my friends, high achieving black women, like we have one job and then two or three other jobs. Like my tax attorney would always say like, how many W-2s and 1099s are you going to bring me? Cause there was at least four or five every year. So my whole thing was those other jobs was just going to be something that I enjoyed. That's what I was going to use life coaching for. It was never designed to like replace my full-time identity, your career, six-figure job. Yeah. My career, it was just going to allow me not to have to go to the hospital on the days where I worked on my days off from my other job. That's all it was supposed to do. And then I had this, like started looking around and like, is it really possible that? And then it was like dealing with Well, that's for other people. And then coaching myself through that of like, it's just, it's for them, not for me. I can't possibly do that. And then it was, but if I was like, there was just different stages, right? It was like, I don't want to, then could I? And then, but if I could, and then I think I might want to go for it to, I'm going for it to, I did it. What time period was that? Oh, that was a year and a half of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a year and a half of crazy. Yeah. And so how did you self-coach yourself through that? What came up? I always tell everybody compassion. Like when I was crazy, just be crazy. Like I haven't figured this out yet. It's okay. Whenever I saw my urgency to like, I want to know the answer because you know, high achieving women, like we want to know our next step, like, so we can think three steps ahead of time. Right. So it's like, I want to know if I'm leaving or not, but I haven't even made my first hundred K. So can you at least like I set up the way I did it is I call them worry windows. 
because I have a tendency to try to over control. So what I do is I give myself a worry window. Like until you reach this, we can't worry about it. I just have to tell my brain, nope, we're not worrying about it right now. So for me, it was make a hundred K. Then you can worry about it. Cause up until then, whether or not you're going to quit your job or not is insignificant for me. It was. And so I made myself a worry window. So like, and then when I got there, I started asking myself, well, what is it? What would it look like? What do you need? And for me, it was, I wanted money in a bank to like, be able to free myself to like, enjoy it a little bit more to be able to make my bills and everything. So I told myself however much money I wanted in the bank. And then when I made that, it was like, okay, when it starts being very apparent to me that I'm losing money, then I'll leave. And then I started looking for that evidence because that's what I asked myself. And I saw it everywhere. I was like, I'm literally losing money the more I work this job. That was like, then it doesn't become hard. The way I did it, like when you said hard, I almost said, no, it wasn't hard. It was, it was managing my mind, but making the decision wasn't hard because I gave myself parameters, worry window. No, we're not worrying about it. What do you need? And then it was, okay, this is what we're going to do. So I'll focus on that. And then when it became very clear, like you're losing money going to this job, that's when I was like, okay, it wasn't a hard decision after that. Mm-hmm. It was on the status part, right? that kind right. of part. Yeah, right. Yeah. Did you have to mourn the identity or mourn the career at all? I don't think I did because I think I did the thought work to separate myself from it along the way. Because I coached myself through it, I think had I not been able to, I would have. But I didn't see, I started working out like what I do doesn't define me and started creating sufficiency. That's my big word is sufficiency. So it wasn't what I did. So I didn't have anything to mourn. I did know that I would miss it because can I tell you, I'm very good at what I do. Like I like... Very good. I'm awesome as a nurse anesthetist. I mean, like epidural, like you really want me to put it in. Like that's, you know, the skill level and everything that I developed and I created. I think that's the thing is like when you realize you created it one, you just totally know you can create it in another one. So it wasn't anything to lose. I was, it was still going to be me. And I wasn't attached to other people's thoughts about me. So that's what you miss is the praise or whatever from other people. I wasn't attached to that anymore. I had detached from that. So it was just me and my thoughts. So it wasn't anything I was going to lose. So instead of somebody else saying, man, you did a great epidural. I can't believe it. I just say, hey, that was a great coaching session, Brig. You did a good job. <laughs> Jenny, did you note down the, like the worry window? Did you take a note on that? Yeah, yeah I did. I, I need to learn that one. I mean, also, Brig, what's so interesting to me is that, first of all, this is a highly evolved way of thinking about yourself and your life and your career path. But I think for so, so many people who come into entrepreneurship, because that's really what you, you are now as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you know, most of us who come into this space have had some level of real success in the rest of our lives. I think in order to have the audacity to decide we can start something from scratch. And so what is your relationship to kind of the humility of being a beginner? Like, do you feel comfortable when you're coming up with, you know, new tasks and obstacles? Is that something that's exciting for you? Is it like, what happens in your mind when something new pops up? Such a great question, right? Because it is like, especially as high achieving women, which is most of your clients, right? And listeners is, I like I just said, like 
really good at anesthesia. Like, I know that there is like somebody could say something. I'm like, mm, you might have caught me at a bad day. But no, I know I'm really good at this. And to go from that to I kind of know what I'm doing in coaching and how like like to start at the beginning again. I think the thing is, it goes back to what I just said, literally, I created that other identity, too like really understanding that that wasn't a fluke that I created it. It was something that I worked at and I was a beginner there and then be willing to experience that discomfort of like, I don't know what I'm doing and and I'm growing in it and give myself that container compassion of like, but this is where I want to go and just managing the discomfort, but being willing to feel that discomfort. So many people think there's something wrong when that happens. Right. right. And I think like entrepreneurs and the, and I want to ask you more about this phrase, high, high achieving women. I think that like, I kind of revel in it, like get, get, make it hard. Like, let's do this. Let's, let's go like joining Cara's group. That was hard for me because Brig Johnson's right. going to be there, but okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Right. Actually, yeah. I didn't know yeah. you were going to be there until the first call. I was like, oh my God, Brig Johnson's here. So talk to us about your niche and how you decided it and what high achieving means. Oh, that's so good. I think my niche evolved. I think that's the thing with entrepreneurship. Like I remember Instagram, I was listening to a podcast the other day and Instagram actually started as a company called Badnib, B-A-N-B-U, something. It was something and it was a, like a GPS app. It wasn't even Instagram. It was like a GPS app, but like they couldn't get it off the ground. Like they just couldn't. And then they just like evolved to, well, what could we do? Like people like taking pictures. Well, maybe we'll let people take pictures. And then next thing you know, like they took that and then evolved it even more and like ask more questions and like the quality of your questions, right? And ask even more questions until it became Instagram. So when you ask me, like, what was my niche? Like my niche evolved it. Like I started out in weight loss because I lost like 80 pounds and I had this great like before and after. And I'm like, yeah, I'll coach people on this then. Like it was easy. People were coming up to me all the time asking me for that. But the more I coached on it, the more I realized it wasn't the thing that made me cry. Like if you ever hear like a life coach that like, they like have that, like, oh, these are my people. It wasn't the thing that made me like, oh, it wasn't even the thing that I enjoyed coaching on all the time. I really enjoyed coaching on like, like their relationship with themselves and relationships and why are you getting in your way in business and all of that. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'll go to women in their fifties. So I did that for a while. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And then it was like women in their 50s that want to lose 50 pounds. And then I did that. And then it was like, I finally just gave myself permission to own my niche of like high achieving black women. Like there wasn't anybody that I could see that was doing that in our life coaching school. So I was like, is that a niche? Can I do that? Can I say some of the stuff I really want to say? No one was having those kind of conversations of the things that I wanted to say, the differences in like of my clients as opposed to like culturally and everything and like how to use thought work for that and to give myself permission to do it. But that's how I started out with the niches. I did like Instagram. I started out with something that was totally different. <laughs> 
and just start it. And how do you define high achieving? I think high achieving is just that woman who is like, they got one achievement and then it's like, oh, but what if I did this? Right. And it's like, there's one. And then they see, it's like, you can tell, like for me, it's like advanced feminist certification. I just finished master coach training. I literally just finished master coach training. And I'm like, but advanced feminist coaching It's that little bit of like, oh, right. But now I do it out of, it's not out of scarcity. I think you can be a high achiever. The action isn't it. It's the feeling that you do it out of. I used to do it out of proving that I was right. Like proving that I was good, like high achieving from that. Now I do it from total exposure of wanting out of desire to be like good, like to be like to evolve my brain, like to experience a different type of lifestyle. Brig, do you consider yourself ambitious? Oh yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause what you describe as the definition of high achieving is what, what I would consider ambitious. And it's so interesting because we ask a lot of our guests and a lot of our clients, whether they consider themselves ambitious and it's very rare for a woman to identify with that word. And so I'm just oh, yeah, wondering, totally. do you run into that with your clients? Like is high achieving a difficult, you know, relationship for them to have with themselves? Like, is that a hard identity? Okay. So you're working with no. the people who are evolved enough to, to feel like they can identify yeah. as high achieving. My clients know they're ambitious. They know they're high achieving. Their thing is, is like, what's getting in my way? Because I'm still not fulfilled. Like I have the degree. I have the PhD. I'm working at the White House. I'm like, I have the doctor. I have the dentist. I have my master's. I have the corner office. I'm the vice president, but I'm still not happy. What's going on? Like they're off, the, they're like willing and ready to get off the hedonic treadmill now. Let's go. Oh, I like that phrase. So what what is getting in their way? What are they suffering with? What's getting in their way is trying to get fulfillment outside of themselves. Like all of us, right? I'm sure this is a conversation you guys have every week. <laughs> yeah, it's trying to get their fulfillment outside of them. And to understand that they are sufficient. I think the more also what I'm learning, what I learned through the advanced certification that we did together is the more marginalized you are, meaning if you're not cis, heterosexual, white male, then the more away from that you are, female, class, age, weight, ableism, gender, religion, the further away you get from that, the more you are taught, conditioned that the more you have to manage other people's thoughts and feelings about you. So for me, and I am not, I do not have all of this highly evolved thought work that you both have access to, but so I'm, I'm sponging this up and I sponge it up from Sandy every day. I feel like I have the best possible situation because I'm a, my business partner as a coach, but I, I feel like for the people you're describing, the people who are not like the white hetero cis perfect, whatever, as our culture just declares, it's also just, it's not just this like history of experiences. Like it is a constant slog through daily aggressions and microaggressions. And I'm just wondering, how do you work with your clients to be in a position when they're not working with you, like in the moment to deal with those microaggressions without letting them bring them down or take them off track? Totally. 
someone can be racist or someone can be oppressive without me having the experience of their racism or their oppression. And that's my power. Like, I'm not even going to try to stop you from being that. Like, okay, I'm going to do my work on my side as far as empowering myself to what organizations and how I want to dismantle it. But you personally, I'm not even like, okay, you get to be right. But I don't have to have that experience. So you had written in our Slack group about an experience that you went to the doctor, they wrote you off as a black woman and you were angry and I'm totally paraphrasing and simplifying here, but, but, and like, you were like, wait, like that doctor should not have done that to me. And it's all these external things. And maybe it wasn't even you. And I'm sorry if I'm totally bungling this, but, and Cara's like, wait, you get to decide. You still have your ability to have your emotional experience, however you want, because of how you think the world is full of assholes and unfair and terrible things. But if you are constantly worrying about why are they doing that, it's like a losing game. Yeah, because the power is always going to be I have to control the way other people think about me and feel about me and treat me. Because if I can't feel a certain way unless they act a certain way, then I have to get them to do it. And I have no control over that. But we're taught that we do by how we act and how we present ourselves. But that's not true. Like they still, like we've been trying that for years, hundreds of years. It doesn't work. Yeah. So it's like accepting the world, however terrible it is, all these things are going on and you, and so this is like the systemic change versus personal change, right? And that's what we have control over is the personal change. My personal thoughts about that misogynistic, whatever comment or racist comment or whatever. It's like, ah, I get to decide how to show up in this moment. And sometimes anger is fine, right? Sometimes you want to be angry, but then what else are you going to do? It's like the personal is the thing that gets to the systemic. Like we cannot have systemic change without personal change too, right? And like the fact that I get to experience however I want, like I just allow people to be who they are. And I like... I love the one thing I love about Byron Katie is when she says, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only a hundred percent of the time. So if I'm saying you shouldn't be saying what you're saying, or you shouldn't be doing what you're doing while you're actually doing it, it's very meta because they're actually like, you're telling your brain, this shouldn't be happening, but your brain is like, uh, it's happening, but you're like, but it shouldn't be happening. But your brain is like, uh, it's definitely happening. Right. As opposed to this is happening. Now what do I want to do? Right. That's the thing. Like, it's like we think accepting means condoning. No, accepting is the gift I give to me. It's like the present I give to me. I'm just, I'm not going to dislike. This is what is actually having happening. Like I did this a whole bunch during COVID. Like this shouldn't be happening. Uh, it's happening. Like who told you there wasn't supposed to be a pandemic in 2021? Like this is 2021. We shouldn't be having one. Well, hey, we're having one. Right. And so as long as I was arguing with the fact that it was going down, then I wasn't saying now what, which is the most important question. How do I want to show up now? What, what do I want to do? So because this started this question, Sandy, with 
a question about med- the medical medical experience. I just, I want to bring up an example and I'm so curious, Brig, how you would handle it in Sandy too. So I've had long COVID for over a year and I'm in a community of people who have found one another because we didn't even know this existed, right? And we were having this shared experience. And I, I'm in a community of thousands and thousands of people who have essentially been told, you're, you're anxious, right? Like maybe you should see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I mean, I luckily haven't been told that personally, but I mean, I mean, so many people I know have, and I definitely have had lots and lots of doctors over the last year, basically say nothing's wrong with you or kind of write off the complaints. And now a lot is coming to light with respect to the pandemic that these are in fact like this is in fact a real condition and that there are treatments available, but there are so many people who have been gaslit in this process that it's actually creating mental he- a mental health crisis for them because they're told over and over it's in your head, right? And they're actually, no, I'm really sick. And so I'm just wondering, like that relationship between what you experience and decide to allow yourself to experience in the moment and then also the external circumstances that you don't have control over, like where in that space do you, would you advise that people like, I guess it's the now what question, but like, how does someone get from like, wow, all of like the institutional actors or the people in power or the people I'm encountering who are supposed to be here to help me, they're not here for me. And that, in fact, they're being, they're telling me to leave. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com. But as long as you're thinking like, they're not here for me or they're supposed to, then you like give up your, your authority to take care of you and listen to you because that's the one, that's the voice. Like if you're like, we're taught, like, especially doctors or people in authority like that, like what they say matters and like, that's it. Right. So what they say would be like, you get to decide what you want to make that mean. Like what you think about what they, what that mean. And you can go, Oh, they're totally right. He's, he's smarter than me. So I must, I must be crazy or something must be wrong with me is in my head. Or you can go, or he's a human making a decision and he doesn't know all the facts and he doesn't know me. I know something's wrong with me. And that feels more empowering. And then what you would you do with that is like, I'll keep looking or asking somebody else or whatever. Like you just take more, I'm going to take care of me. It's more agency over your own health and well-being. I, I think that it's a systemic issue when, you know, as a culture war taught, especially, and because you have a background in medicine, I think this is part of why I wanted to ask you this. It's, you know, we're conditioned as non-medical people, <laughs> like no experience. I don't understand the human body really at all. I'm learning a lot because of my own challenges, but I have no idea what to do other than to trust this, this expert. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for people like yourself, you know, and people who, who can help others to shift their mindset around this, because it's actually a, a really big crisis. Right. I think the thing is, is like to, to understand and have your own back, like, no, I know what I'm feeling and like to trust that. Yeah. Thank you. That's great.
Okay, let's switch gears to the word feminism. What does that mean to you now, Greg? I think it just means empowered right now. It just means awareness. It means change. It means it means new direction. And what did it mean like four months ago? And no, it meant white women burning bras. I didn't understand what the hell. Like, what the hell y'all doing? <laughs> I need my bra. I'm sorry. Like, it's going to be down at my knees if I don't put a bra on. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I, like, <laughs> I did not expect you to say that. That is so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I was surprised, says the white woman, that so many in our group did not identify as a feminist prior to doing this deeper work. And I was like, well, what are you all doing here? Like, I was so confused. And then, you know, of course, like there's such complexity to being a woman, whether you are of color or, you know, in a wheelchair or whatever, ADD, all the different, all the different things. And feminism doesn't represent all of that equally. I'm proudly wearing my feminist bracelet, right? And I think there needs to be more feminist jewelry out there in the world. But now it's like there's this concept of intersectional feminism. Yes. Versus yeah. like feminism yeah. in heels or white feminism, right? Right, right. I think that's super. So now would you say I am a feminist? Yeah, totally. I am a feminist. I think I love saying the fact that I not only am I a feminist, but I'm a black feminist. Right. Like, yeah, that's my intersection. And like, yeah. And like, I'm an intersectional feminist for sure. Like, what about your clients? How do we, how would they react to that term? Is it relevant? Yeah, I don't think it's relevant. Like uh, I coach from that point of view. My coaching has definitely got deeper uh, since taking the uh, advanced certification, which I was already exploring it. So it was like all the puzzles pieces got put together. I don't make it a point to like, you're getting you coached by a yourself black as feminist. a feminist. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, no, like they're just, they're just, they just want to answer. Yeah, right. Yeah, they yeah. just want to know Solve why they problem. can't show up for mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. They could care less. Yeah. Anything else. So this is what happened right. to me. I, I was like, I used the same expression to go through that program. It's like, I had all these pieces. I could see them and then it all came together. They all made the picture for me when I put all the pieces together through Christ program. And so the first couple coaching things I did, <laughs> I was like, and this is why, and this is why, and this is why they're doing this. And this is what happened a hundred years ago. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, I guess that's not relevant to you. Like it was, <laughs> I should really be focused on you and not like the history behind it of why you're thinking like this because they didn't care at all. Right. <laughs> it was super like, oh, that's a little bit of a moment for me. Yeah, I think my clients actually, it does help for me to explain why, because it just, it just helps them understand, like, why am I acting it's, it's crazy? I, yeah, yeah, it's not me. It's the, it's like, it's the soup that we're in and we're all in the soups. Like, oh, it makes sense. But just in the sense of like, oh, it makes sense. That's it. Like, of course, right, I'm acting this way. Behind it, there's a reason why. Yeah, there's a reason why it's time for me to speak and I can't speak, even though I know exactly what to say. There's a reason why I, I should have brick when the email comes from my boss. Like, there's a reason why, even though I know I didn't do anything wrong. There's a reason for all of it. Like, oh, I get it. Okay. Right. 
Yeah, I agree. So like identifying like, hey, this is part of the culture. This is part of the like what's been infused into you since you were a small girl versus me who gives you the 20 minute history lesson on what happened in 1100 in, in, you know, in Britain. Like what? So what is next, Brig? Tell us. So you've you've done this change. You're full time. What is what is like what is the plan? The plan for me is just to continue to grow, grow my skills as a coach, continue to serve my clients in the best of my ability and to come up with new ideas, concepts, marrying everything, my life experiences, the certifications that I'm taking, my coaching experience all together. Right now, that looks like a a mastermind. So working on that for high achieving women. And it was so funny because my clients asked me for it. It wasn't like, I was like, I'm just going to do one-on-one. Like, this is fine. And my clients started asking for a community. And I get it. Like, I totally get it to know that they're not alone, to know like there's other people who were having the same things, the same issues. So I'm looking forward to putting that together. So That's right now it's just one-on-one and then you would do like a group mastermind. So would you still coach within that group? Would it be group coaching kind of mastermind? Oh yeah, yeah. Totally weekly group coaching workshops, healing workshops. I'm going to bring in some uh, some embodiment work to help with the fight or flight thing that we all have. But culturally for my clients, it's like, you know, we have that tendency to go to zero to 10 and I want to bring it down. Like why and understand because most high achieving women, black, white, whatever, we don't know how to get into our bodies and our feelings. I want to teach that too. Not just the thought work, but just the holistic view. What will your biggest struggle be building this new business out? Not that it's new, but like full-time new. Right. The same thoughts that I had when I was doing one-on-one. I was like literally writing down my coaching, uh, my self-coaching. And because it's the one time where I don't filter my thoughts. Is some of my thoughts. Yeah, I'm sure you do the same thing when you're coaching. Jenny, I'm sure you do the same thing. Like you write something down and you're like, did that just come out of my brain? I cannot believe I said that. Like they don't even make sense. And I've I've accepted that they're not supposed to make sense. Like it's my brain is not supposed to make sense. That was the biggest feeling thing because we think our brain is like, that doesn't even make sense. I don't think that. That doesn't make sense. But yeah, you're thinking it. Okay, so let's address it, right? So I do that for me too. So it's the same thoughts I had when I was getting ready to start one-on-one. I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. My people are not going to listen to me. And I looked back at my one-on-one ones and I was like, you were having the same thoughts back then. <laughs> my brain is not, nor is anybody brain. Like we think our brains are this big thing. It's like, it's the same song on repeat. No matter where you go up in a level, it's going to keep giving you the same thing. It's like, it doesn't come up with anything new. <laughs> It just puts on glasses. Sometimes it's the same thought, but it just puts on glasses. See, I'm different. (laughs) That's all it does. Right. It puts on glasses and a hat. Like, you know, Michael Jackson used to do put on glasses and a hat. Like I'm not Michael. Yeah, right. You're not Michael. (laughs) Maybe a glove. Right. Right. That's, that's what our brain does. It's like, it takes the thought and like, I changed it just a little bit. Like, yeah, no, that's still same thought. I see it. I see it. Do you think about marketing, money, is that a skill set that you're comfortable with or is that something a little bit scary for you? That's an interesting question. Like, I just, like, I think about it and I think about it in a sense of like really wanting to uncover my money beliefs, my limiting beliefs. Because it's like, I was at the top of nurse anesthesia. I was like, why was I willing to stay there for like 20 years and not, not get anything? Like, 
this is it. Not giving you a raise. Like, and why was I willing to stay there? Like, what was my money belief? And so I look at money from that point of view of like, where, where am I limiting myself? Because my thing is, is if, if the good people don't make money or have money beliefs, then the money just stays in the same hands. And I'm like, and I want all the good people to be making a ton of money so we can go. Yeah. Right. So we can go help the organizations that we want to, like, we want to help. Yeah. So for me, it's like challenging him. It's kind of like what you were saying, Sandy, bring it. It's like, yeah, I'm like, I want to work on like my money beliefs, my marketing beliefs. If I don't get out there and work on my marketing beliefs, then I can't help my people. So I have to be seen in order to help my people. Yeah. So that's, I think that's how I work on those challenges. When your clients, they can't, like, they can't find their customers that they don't work on their marketing beliefs. Like, I can't say that. Should I say that? They're tired of seeing me. This means I'm being too whatever. Someone's like, already they can't doing find it. their customers. I don't want right. to be annoying. I don't want to, you right. know, that was what my project was on through Cara's group. Okay. So I actually love that idea of like marketing beliefs in addition to money beliefs. Did you just make that up or is that something that you use? I just answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy's like, can I please have can I make that? a whole program around marketing for a trademark beliefs? by the by the end of the day? Jenny goes, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just answering the <laughs> question. Like, Jenny, can you see if that URL is bought? Can you just purchase that while we're talking, please? Marketing, please. No, but I think that is, I think, yeah, we talk lots about money beliefs. There's lots of podcasts and all sorts of you know discussion around the beliefs around money, but that visibility piece is also you know, an equal struggle. And yeah, I just like the phrase, total. what are your beliefs around marketing? What are your beliefs about standing up and like saying, Hey, over here, I'm doing this really cool thing. My marketing beliefs are, as long as I'm thinking about me, I'm not serving my customer. Like that's it. Like literally, if I'm making it about me, if I'm making it about like, Oh, they're going to think I'm this, or I can't say that, or I'm an imposter. As long as I'm in my brain, I'm not in my client's brain. I'm not solving their problems. Like for me, I'm willing. I always say this and I say it all the time. I literally, and I, every time I get ready to say it all, I almost tear up. So that's why I know I got that tear up moment, right? I'm willing to fall flat on my fucking face to help my clients, right? Like, I don't care about being a perfectionist. I'll say it wrong. You guys can say whatever. I'm going to do my thought work. I'm going to feel embarrassed. I'm going to feel humiliated. I'm going to get back up the next day. I am going to fall down seven and get up eight every time. Not for me, because I'm sufficient. I like, I have my own back. I know, like I've accepted all of me before my customers. So part of this whole like marketing belief course that I'm about to build, the number one thing to understand is that it, there's going to be emotions that you are not going to want to feel, right? Like what you just said is exactly, is exactly it. Like I'm going to be, feel embarrassed. I'm going to feel awkward. I'm going to feel shame. I'm going to feel like afraid. I'm going to feel, you know, a little uncertain or confused, all of it. And then it's just like continually to, to show up because too many of our clients, I think are so they're like, I'm just not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to do social media. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, price it so low that everyone's going to buy and it won't have to market that kind of thing. Right. And it's like, you know what, you still got to market. And I think that the faster you can get comfortable with the ideas around showing up and maybe making a fool of yourself or stumbling through a video or whatever, the faster you'll get to your goals. 
if you like do your work on accepting yourself, you're okay with stumbling and falling because you have your own net. Yeah. And like, the first step is always courage, not confidence, courage. If if you're thinking you're going to be confident, starts with courage. When we want to go to lily pad, the lily pad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just literally want to go from lily pad to lily pad. Like, no. I tell people like, no, you're going to fall in the water and you're going to like yeah, all of it. That was really good. That that basically is like the last year of my life. So right. You Can you tell I coach it. on that all the time? Oh, yeah. Yes, I am like right? so I am so relating to everything you're saying. Yeah. We're just in the water. There's no lily pads. No, just in the water. Like like sometimes your little like froggy fingers are grabbing onto something. Yeah, just grabbing it like you're like, please. <laughs> right. Back of all of it. Yeah. But you know what I think the water is? I think what helps us get out the water to get to the next lily pad is compassion. Totally. For ourselves. Yeah. And acceptance. Like I'm in the water. Not like I shouldn't have been. I can't believe I jumped. I shouldn't have jumped. Can't believe it. Like the resistance. You're arguing with the reality. The reality right. thing. Yeah. 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 It's like, no, I'm in the water. Now what? Well, that's like Mae Brown, like talking about being in the arena, right? Like most yes. people won't even go in the water. They're not going to take a risk that's ever going to land them in the water. So there's just this sense of pride from even deciding to follow through and taking that risk. I literally do that all the time. I'm like, I'm like, whatever. I don't care whatever you guys are saying. You're in the stands. Yeah. You may be throwing popcorn down at me, but I'm in a fucking arena. Yeah, I know. That analogy has has gotten me through a lot of things. It's really a powerful way to think about it. I didn't ask if I can cuss on this. I'm sorry. That's okay. I told, <laughs> I, I told Jenny she'll she'll swear and we're just going to go with it. It's totally fine. Don't don't you worry about it. I figured it out from your website. Yes. I was like, "All right, I know what's going to happen. It's all good." No, no, no no need to apologize. Jenny, do you want to do leader through join hustle? Yes. So Brig, at the end of every episode, we ask our guest to share something that's bringing them joy. So something that you're loving right now and a tool that can help our listeners hustle in their career or business. Mm, okay. So joy. When I, when you asked, when you sent that email, I was like, what brings me joy? And it brings me joy every day. And I love to tell my clients and your listeners and everybody, like it's always the micro, it's always like tuning into the wins, the small wins that you have control over. It's never like, we always like wait for this big thing to celebrate. Now I was like, no, celebrate each little turn of the dial. And so for me, my bath every night gives me joy. It's the gift that I give myself every night. It's not that self-love like, oh, I take a bath, but it is, it is like, it's just my gift to myself. Like, this day is over with. You did good. Get in a bath. Like the lights are low. Like I only have like a, a, a night light in there. I don't turn on a light. I put, you know, I make it a ritual. It is a ritual for me. It's the thing that brings me joy. And it's a simple thing. I can do that. I can reproduce that all the time. I love that you're distinguishing like this isn't just, you know, self-care, like, you know, flowers and chocolates and bubble baths. Like there is a total ritual and, and also the idea that you're like, I did good today. I did really well today, regardless of how the day went, like you're going to celebrate the day and yourself. I made it through today. Yeah, I made it through. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> made it through. Like it's, the, it is like, oh. Like, and I, I make it like I have a PM ritual. Like I like bef while I'm running my bath water, I turn down my bed as if I was doing turn down service. 
I, it is like, I just set this mood. Like, this is me celebrating me. It's the ritual of like, you did good. You deserve rest. I think rest is a revolutionary act for us as women. We're always doing, 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 doing for other people. It's like, it's the one thing I do for me. This ring is my business tool. My <gasps> aura ring. Us, tell us. Go. I need to know all of it. My aura ring. I love my aura ring. And it's spelled O-U-R-A. It just, it's like, it, I just wear it, but it just measures my heart rate variability. Every oh. night in the morning, I walk, I wake up and I know whether I'm staying in sympathetic tone or if I move down to parasympathetic tone, I can see when I eat, how it recognizes like the time of day that I eat. If I did self-coach, if I didn't self-coach, if I meditated, if I exercise, like I can just start seeing the effects for me, that difficult conversation that I had that I didn't want to have that I didn't like resolve, I can see the results of it or all of it. So that's my business tool. Okay. It's just that, is, I think Jenny, you showed this to me. I think you might've shared this link. It's kind of like the data from a Fitbit or an Apple watch, but it's not, you don't stare at it. Right. So for right. those of us that have a little bit of an addictive personality that are constantly monitoring data, it's like collecting it in the background. Yeah. You don't have to like have it like flashing in your face. Right. And it's and it's more accurate than your Fitbit or anything. And it just literally is to your sleep. Because again, rest is a revolutionary act. And so I want to make sure I'm not staying in sympathetic because that's thought work. That's everything that we just talked about. What high achieving women do, everything is like we're always in that fight or flight. I want to measure too. I know I'm going to do all the things, but I also want to measure. Am I getting myself out of sympathetic tone into parasympathetic? Like, and that's one of the things I do with my clients is give them measures for that. But when do you actually yeah. go and look at it to see that? I look at it every morning. When right, I so wake once up. a day, you just go in and take a look at the previous day's data. Uh huh. And then I put in my exercise so I can see like exercising late at like last night or the night before last, I exercised at six and it took me a while to go to sleep. I was like tossing and turning a bit and I'm like, hmm. I'm gonna look at that in the morning. So I looked at it in the morning. Sure enough, I didn't go into deep sleep. I didn't drop into rest till later. And I was like, oh, for me, like exercising at six o'clock is a no-no for me. Like I stayed up. I was like, oh, okay. I know now. Like, no, I need to get that done earlier. My body was like, nope, we're still, we haven't calmed down yet. <laughs> okay. That's so, yeah. really interesting. I don't know anyone that has that. I looked at it and was fascinated by it. So that's so interesting. I love it. I love that it's your I knew it. tool too. I think that's so cool. Yeah. It is my business coach because I think our energy is important. Like how we manage our energy, how we manage us and like how we treat our bodies as business people, because our value is our brain. If we're not getting enough rest, if we're not treating our bodies right, if we're in sympathetic, always doing cortisol, we're shrinking our hippocampus, we're keeping ourselves in fight or flight, we're not accessing our creativity. So it's important. I love it. I love it. I'm going to like now have the website up. I'm going to go and have to read all this stuff. So Brig, thank you so much for spending this time. It was great to chat with you and learn all about your brand new full-time business. Congratulations on leaving thank one you. career to start another and wish you much success. So where can people find you, connect with you? Where can they learn about Brig Johnson? Okay. Well, I have a website, of course, brigjohnson.com. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Johnson Brig. 
Believe it or not, did you know that there was another Brig Johnson? I'm like, no. The audacity. The who spelling? else? Yeah, who else named their child Brig Johnson? And of course, it was a guy. <laughs> so the female Brig Johnson on Instagram, that's the one you want. Right. Is Johnson Brig, right? On Facebook, I'm Brig Johnson too. Brig Johnson Coaching. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brig. Thank you, Brig. Thank- oh, and I have a podcast too. Oh, yeah. Can I mention yeah, that? Yeah, what's your the podcast name? It's called Breakthrough with Brig. That's a good name. Of course. It's a good name. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brig. Thank you, guys.